We're going to be in Acts. Wow, that's really loud. Is that better? Huh? Acts chapter 2, 42. And we've got this Sunday and one more Sunday. We'll finish out our series of what should we expect from uh, Christians and non-Christians. And uh, this is what we've been doing pretty much all year, isn't it? Uh, except for the special holidays and, and um, things like that. So this Sunday and next Sunday. And um, then after that, Michael's going to preach on Sunday morning and Sunday evening. And, and then when we get back, we're going to start a series in Nehemiah. And uh, we're going to be in Nehemiah for a long time. Okay, we're going to be in Nehemiah for a long time. So, we, we like to spend a lot of time in the New Testament, right? That's our favorite. So, we're going to swap and we'll go over the Old Testament for a little bit, but it's going to be a long time, Michael. Can you hang for that long? All right. So, Acts chapter 2, verse 42, and if I did it right, this should be the only one that you'll see on the screen. Again, I'm trying to get us to focus on our scriptures and our Bibles. We should be bringing our Bibles to church. And um, the rest of them, we'll, I'll try to stop long enough for you to flip in your, in your Bibles to where you can find them. But Acts 2.42 is where we'll be. And you'll see in your notes that it says it's expected that believers spend a portion of their day in God's Word. We should expect that, right? That believers are spending at least a little bit of time in in God's Word. This helps to provide spiritual development, transforms the Christian's mind, dispels ignorance, and gives a mighty weapon as we engage in spiritual warfare. And those are the truths that we'll be looking at today, all based on uh, Acts 2.42, mainly on the part where it says they devoted themselves, okay? And then from there, we're going to do some, we'll jump off and, and discuss those truths. But um, Acts 2.42 says, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, and to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. And I was talking with a gentleman this last week. He was one of the guys doing our basement. And he was asking me about, um, about baptism. He said, My son was baptized when he was a baby, and I told him that that wasn't good. Um, and I said, well, let's, let's talk about that. And, he, and, we, and I talked about baptism, what it is, what it looks like, you know, why we do it, that sort of thing. And I told him, I said, if you want to really know why the church does what they do, why don't you turn to the book of Acts, and you can see as an example of how somebody who comes to Christ and then they're baptized. How they come to Christ, and then they're baptized. How they come to Christ, and then they're baptized. They follow in believers' baptism. We believe it's only for believers. Um, we believe it's the first sign of obedience for the Christian. Um, and I'm not here to talk about to sermon, do a sermon on baptism, but it's it's huge. For Tyler, what did you say this morning? It's huge. Huge. That's just huge. So Acts 2.42 is where we're going to jump off. Father, we thank you so much for this 
time we get to spend in your word today with to expound on it just a little bit. And we pray that as we use this time that it can glorify you. I pray that not only will it glorify you, but that we may be um, convicted, that we may be encouraged, that we may be uh, change some of our thoughts on, on scripture reading and uh, some of our habits maybe. Uh, maybe our habits are great and we can be encouraged uh, to share uh, this truth with other people, that they might be in your word. Your word says that your word is life. It's the, the bread of life. Your word is more important than food, our physical food. And I pray that we may be in your word and not just reading it, not just memorizing it, but putting action to it, using it correctly, that we might uh, encourage other people, that we might admonish other people, that we might use your word to rebuke folks who need rebuking and do so in love. Uh, We're so thankful for your word and the ability to read it in our own language, in a modern language that that we can understand and uh, know what it says. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So today we're going to focus on God's Word and the importance of having a copy of God's Word. How many of you have more than one copy of God's Word in your home? I mean, most of us do, right? And if you've got an electronic Bible, if you've got a computer at your house, I don't know how many Bibles I have on this. I mean, I've probably got at least a hundred, at least on here. I've got one program that's kind of powerful. Uh, on my phone, I, pr- I probably have 50 on my phone. Uh, on my computer, there's no telling. Um, I've got over a thousand books on my computer. I've got more books on books, not just Bibles, but books. I mean, electronic resources are huge, or huge, Tyler. And so what we'll do today is we're going to look at four benefits of reading God's Word, and you see those in your outline. And so hopefully what we'll do is we'll encourage you to be reading God's Word and to be doing so in such a way that we're not just reading it, like to knock off our list. If you're like me, you're a list person. Like I've already got lists for next week, and I feel good when I can knock things off the list, like I've done something that day. I know some people, they'll write on their list, make a list, just so they can knock something off like they did something. Barbara, she's not laughing. She does write, because you've got to jump start it, right? It's like the glow plugs on the diesel. you like got to like prime them a little bit. Okay, it's ready to go. Make a list. All right, did it. Got it going on. And we don't want to do that with God's Word. We don't want to just like read it just to say, well, I knocked that out, right? We want to be reading it in such a way where we read that and go, okay, <coughs> how can this apply to my life today. What did, I, <clears throat> what did I not know that I maybe need to study more? I don't know about you, but I read things and I think, I didn't really like that. Why was that in there and what good is that today? We were talking about some of the stuff that was in there this week that we just really don't care for. The Bible says that we should um, stone certain people. Right? I don't know about y'all, but I'm not going to take a, I'm not going to throw a rock at y'all. You're welcome. That's like Forrest Gump says, well, that's one less thing to worry about. 
So let me start with a silly question, and then you'll see what the silly question, it serves a purpose, okay? So it's, it's self-evident. So how many of you have seen a sharp decline in the morals in the last decade in our nation? That's, that's easy, right? If you didn't raise your hand, it's just because you just didn't want to. You know, and if you don't see a sharp decline in, in our nation over the least the last 10 years, something wrong with you. Go see a psychologist. All right? I mean, it's like, it's crazy, right? We see it in our schools. We see it in our government. We see it on the news. Just about any news you, you flip on, um, it, it's crazy. And that's a silly question because we've all seen that. Well, here's, here's where I'm going with that. What about our churches? We've seen a sharp moral decline in our churches, haven't we? A lot of our churches are, are, are letting things go biblically that even 10 years ago that we would say, no, that's, that's not right. I saw a news article this last week from the Cooperative Baptist Fellowship. They're the, the Baptist group that split off from the SBC some, I don't know, was it 10, 15, 20 years ago? Uh, the, liberal, the liberal group. And right now, they are having a struggle with different various uh, sexual issues within their church. Imagine that. Imagine that. They're having a panel to get together to say, what do we do with these churches who say that we can ordain this one or that one or this one? How do we have a uniformity when it's open like this? And I'm like, you know what? We don't have to deal with that because we said that's wrong. That, that right there is wrong. And we're not going to have it. Now they're having to deal with something that they didn't want to deal with because they're all inclusive. So we're seeing a sharp decline. We're seeing it in our Southern Baptist churches. I went to our KBC annual meeting two years ago, and we had, uh, we had church discipline at the KBC on a church who was ordaining um, homosexual in their church. And so we sent them on their way. We said, thank you very much. You're done. We gave them a chance to speak. They spoke to it. We voted. Right? So our churches were seeing a sharp moral decline. You know where else we're seeing it as well? We're seeing it in our Sunday school classes. If, we're, if we talk about our churches, why would we not talk about our Bible study classes and our Sunday school classes and discipleship groups and all that sort of thing? Our churches are weak because our Sunday school classes are weak and our Bible study classes are weak. Our discipleship is weak to non-existent. Don't raise your hand, please. But let me ask this just for shock value. Please don't raise your hand. How many of you here right now are in a discipleship relationship with another person or a few people? Don't raise your hand. Think about that. Do you know why our churches are sharply declining? Is because we are not pouring into baby Christians. There should never be a point in your Christian walk that you're not pouring into somebody. When I share my faith with people, that's, that's what I start with. I start with, do they know Jesus? If they do know Jesus, are they in fellowship with another church? If they are, where are they in discipleship? Kind of go down this little litany, right? And it's not to judge people, it's to encourage people. 
Because you know what says that we should be doing that? God's word. So why would we skip out on that? Right? Most of our churches have no idea why we do missions and evangelism. Absolutely no idea. We need to get people coming back to church. We, well, we need them coming in church. How come? Well, we need them here. What for? Well, we got them pews. Why? Why would we do this? So we can glorify God, right? And so we can share the gospel. And so we can strengthen people in the gospel. Why are our churches sick? Because we have taken this and made it optional. We have made it optional. I've got a DOM friend in Missouri. I was telling Christy this morning on Facebook, he said he goes and visits all these churches. And they're so nice. When he goes to Sunday school, they give him a a quarterly. And they always give him a quarterly. And guess what they do with the quarterly? They read from it. Every single time. He said in in his Sunday school classes, no one opens the Bible. It's never opened. Because we're reading from the quarterly. Does the quarterly have scripture in it? Yeah. But it's a supplement. God's word is what we need to be looking at. Judges, chapter 21 and 25. You can turn there if you like, but if not, just listen. In in those days, there was no king in Israel. And you know what they did? Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. Because God's word was not being read. It wasn't being studied. Everybody did what was right in their own eyes. There was no absolute authority. And when there is absolutely no authority, I believe this. I believe this. So when when atheists or agnostics say this, at least they have integrity. That people should literally be able to do whatever they want when there's no authority. Absolutely whatever you want should go. Am I right? Because whatever makes Mike feel good, Mike should be able to do that, right? But you know what people have a problem with? Whenever my view conflicts with Michael. Now, that's not right. Well, who says? Who says? Well, why are you all so upset about the homosexual issue? When two dudes love each other or two ladies love each other and they're in their own home, you know, well, it bothers us because it undermines the scriptural value of marriage. And I said this being facetious from the very beginning, did I not? That if two men can get together, why, hmm? why can't four men get together? And that's as far as I'm going to go. Why not? And you know what? It's happening. And there's different countries right now, I can't remember which one, who said, yeah, if y'all four want to get a, a marriage license, do it. And guess where it's coming? It's coming here. And a part of me says, it's, it's completely wrong. But a part of me says, if we as a nation have integrity, and that's our law, then why not? Why not? But because we have God's word, we're not going to do that. Okay. So what we're doing this year is we're celebrating the 500th year of the Reformation. So in 1517, some dudes were really bold and said, we need to be reading God's word in our own language. And praise God for that. Today, we can read the Bible in English because people stood up 
and said, we, we, can under, we can read and understand this on our own. The Gideons exist because of Martin Luther, Jan Hus, John Wycliffe. People can read God's Word without a track, without a red book, without you explaining it to them. They can read the Gospel of John for themselves and go, you know what? I'm a dirty, rotten sinner. And I need Jesus to save me from my sin. It is that plain. Is it not? It is. But yet God tells us to go. So let's look at the first, first truth. Spending time in God's Word. And based from Acts 2.42, they devoted themselves to the apostle teaching. Because of that, we receive spiritual development. From God's Word, we receive spiritual development. Turn with me to 1 Thessalonians 2.13. Pages are really, man. Are you there? 2.13. We also thank God continually because when you received the word of God, you heard, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as the word of men, but it as it actually is, the word of God, which is at work in you who believe. Notice what he said, you accepted it not as the word of men, because what happens when we say stuff? We get to say whatever we want, right? And it's different with all of us. We can say whatever. When we we went through that evangelism training with Bill Fay, share Jesus without fear, do you guys remember that he said to always look to God's word because what God's word says about God's word is more important than what we say about God's Word, right? Let God's Word speak for itself. That's the best way when we're talking about friends who have different views about us. We're not going to get angry. Don't get mad at them. Don't get loud, right? Whenever I talk with somebody and they get all loud and fired up, I usually kind of shut down because I know they don't want to hear whatever I have to say because what's going to happen, they're just going to get louder. So I'm usually done. So whatever I do is I'll say, hey, God's Word says this. Let them argue with that, right? And if they want to discuss it, that's, that's fine. But let God's word say what it does. So devoting ourselves to the apostles' teaching means that we're not only reading the Bible, but we are accepting it as God's word. And when we accept the Bible as God's word, that should change us, right? Whenever we read it, we might should go, you know what, it says this. And I struggle with that. Maybe I should do that instead of this. Lord, help me with my attitude on this. Help my thinking on this. God's word provides spiritual development. When we're having discipleship with a younger believer, use God's word. If we're using some material that is not focused on the Bible... Something's wrong, right? Especially when we go, well, this teacher says this, or this Bible teacher says this. Let's focus on God's Word. Devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. So we focused a minute ago on the last 10 years, just as an example. 
And a lot of time what we do is we'll say, this younger generation is just not getting it. We do that, right? You know, if the younger generation would, would get it, then I think we'll be in, in good shape. If the, if the younger generation would read God's word, they would come to church. If the younger generation would evangelize, if they would spend time with another person, discipleship, if the younger generation would quit watching the TV that they do, if the younger generation would bring their kids to church, if the younger generation would listen to Christian radio or whatever it is, we wouldn't be in the shape we're in. But I personally think it's across the board. Um, and I think I'm privy to a little more than you guys are, uh, being a pastor. I see issues with two-year-olds and 95-year-olds, right? My friend um, in X town says that he has to go and talk to a senior adult couple who's living together, and they are not going to stop living together because they told him, they said, Pastor, we know what the Bible says, but if we get married, the government's going to take some of our Social Security uh, checks. And he said, okay. And they said, well, you don't want us to go hungry. He said, I, I seriously don't think you're going to go hungry. Uh, and we were talking, and, and uh, we both kind of agreed that that couple valued the government coinage more than they did the precepts of God's word. I've got a, another friend in his church that the church wants him to deal with the very same issue. He's like me. He's only been there about four or five years. Um, the church doesn't want to deal with it. The deacons won't touch it. They want him to deal with this issue with some seniors. Because you know what happens when it goes bad? Right? Seniors, we, y'all have the same issues that young people have. Right? Why ain't these young people coming to church? Why ain't seniors coming to church? Keith and Carla, how come middle-aged folks ain't coming to church? It's the same reason. Right? Middle-aged people, old people, and young people love their sin more than they do Jesus. I don't know what to tell you. When we're in God's word, we might say, you know what? I need to be doing this. It's going to hurt. Right? Sometimes God's word hurts us personally. And we got to go, you know what? I love Jesus more than my social security check. I love Jesus more than my ski-doo on a Sunday morning. Ronnie, I love to hunt. Right? You love to hunt. I love hunting. We need to love Jesus more than we do the 30-06 and that bloody deer. Right? They'll be there another day, through six days, and a Sunday afternoon. I've hunted on Wednesday night before church, killed a deer, wiped the blood off my hands, and come to church and preach. Some people can't do that, though. They've got to go during that hour. 2 Timothy 3, 16 through 17. Why don't you turn with me to that? Brother Toby, you done got to meddling. That's what I do. 2 Timothy 3, 16 through 17. 
It says, all scripture is God-breathed and useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. You notice how it says, training for righteousness. You know how you get trained for righteousness? Same way you get trained for a marathon or you train for whatever it is, you do it, right? If we want to train for righteousness, we need to be in God's word. We need to be active in God's word, active in our faith. Spiritual development. Righteousness doesn't just happen. I know some believers think, well, if I can just come and spend an hour under Brother Toby's wonderful teaching, I can get all, oh, I just got to get fed. Y'all are going to starve to death. Y'all are going to starve to death spiritually if, that's, if you're depending on me for 30 or 40 minutes. Y'all are going to die. When's the last time you ate for 30 or 40 minutes in a week and that was it? There's always somebody, well, I only ate once next week. Right? But really? Right? Read God's Word. You'd be surprised how many Christians I talk to. They'll say, well, I just don't like to read. And that's their excuse, right? I'm going to say something that's kind of hurtful. Karen's going to put it on the screen. Is it hurtful, Karen? Did you read it already? Okay. Go ahead and put it on the screen. I have a difficult time reading, they'll say. It's not enjoyable to me, or I have a reading disability. What they're saying is, these, are, these excuses are more important to me than figuring out how I might receive a portion of God's word each day. These excuses are more important. I, I don't like to read. I, I only went to school for X amount of years. I, I struggle with reading. This will read it to you. I'm doing a Facebook devotion right now in Proverbs. Listen to Brother Toby. Call me up and say, I hate reading. Read to me. I will straight up read to you on the phone. Hey, can you come over to my house for five minutes and read? Yup. But no, we don't. I hate reading. I can't read. Or I can't see whatever it is, right? Rather than just go, you know, let me figure this out. I'm 40 years old. I'm pretty smart. right? I can figure this out. And I'm not saying it to be insensitive, uncaring, or hurtful. And I didn't put it on the screen to hurt your feelings. I'm saying this, and I put it on the screen to encourage you to say God's word is this important for spiritual development. Hebrews 4.12, for the word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates, dividing the soul, spirit, joints, and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. This is why we don't read God's word. Whenever you meet people who are out of church, who are out of fellowship, you know what they're not doing? Reading God's Word. Because when they read God's Word, guess what happens? They get convicted and they go, oh, I better do that, right? So it's just easier to distance themselves altogether from church, from Christian friends, from the Bible, whatever it is, right? Penetrates, judges. God's word transforms the Christian mind. So when they devote themselves to the apostle teaching, their mind gets transformed. And you know what? When we read God's word and we read it for understanding and we read it for transformation, we read it for spiritual development, you know, we go, hey, wait a minute. I need change unless we're lost. And then you get to do whatever you want because you don't have the Holy Spirit. Romans 12, 2 
Go ahead and turn to Romans 12, 2. Romans 12, 2 says, Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world. We're pretty good at that. You know why? Because it's natural. It just comes, you don't have to practice at that. You just wake up and do what you do, and you've been conformed to the pattern of the world. It says, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That means you've got to do something. You've got to do something. Renewing your mind. Then you will be able to, then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, perfect, pleasing will. You ever have a friend that talks about, well, I just don't know what God's will is for my life? Do you know why they don't know what God's will is for their life? Because they're not reading God's word. It ain't that hard. Right? What's God want you to do? He wants you to love him and love other people. And then do whatever your spiritual gifts tell you to do. It'll come natural. Right? Renew your mind. You know what those things will be. I'm not saying it'll be easy. Right? I remember when God first called me to preach, I thought, are you kidding me? This is the worst ever. Public speaking, snakes, and then I can't remember, what my, what's my third thing? Being in big crowds of people? I don't know. Bats. I will scream like a girl if there's a bat in the house, Jacob. And my wife will take care of it. Get it. That's right, I will. She's done it. I don't know what she did. I was under the blanket. Those are dangerous, Corey. Don't you judge me. It says so in the Bible. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is. Whatever we're in God's word, then we can go, okay, I'm supposed to do this. Right? I I need to take care of this because we're in God's word. This is why so many people struggle with sin because they're not in God's word. Or you can kind of push it out and you stay in it long enough. The next truth is it dispels spiritual ignorance. You'll see on the screen the definition of dispel. It means make disappear. Right? The synonym is banish, to eliminate, get rid of. God's word dispels. It pushes out spiritual ignorance. And again, we're not talking about someone's dumb or whatever word you want to use. Ignorance means you don't know. Right? And whenever we put God's word in ourselves, we go, okay, we know this now. And whenever we know that, we've got to act on it as Christians. Romans 10.3. So if you were at Romans 12 a while ago, go to Romans chapter 10, verse 3. Since they did not know the righteousness that comes from God and sought to establish their own. Imagine that. Right? They didn't know it, and so they thought, well, I'm just going to do this thing, because it's what I like, and I don't really care what you like. They did not submit to God's righteousness. So Romans 10.3 tells us why many won't read or apply what they want to read, because they've put their own in. They go, I like this a little better. Now, check out this quote from John Hagee. I may make some of you angry, but it's okay. John Hagee. Whenever we're in God's word, 
we're going to see things, and we'll pick out things, and we'll go, that's not right, right? And I can pick on him because he put this for the world to see. John Hagee says, we all dream of absolute forgiveness of our transgressions. Almost all of us. To attain this pardon, we must do our part. And he promises to do his. What's wrong with that? Our part. What do we do? What do we bring to the table? A big pile of nothing. Right? If you had some scales in our part, it'd be pretty nasty. Right? And God brings what? Everything. You know the good thing about salvation? Is he does it all. Everything. Whenever we come to him, we bring nothing. And not, not just nothing, but like bad. All, everything bad. And we can just say, God, take care of this bad, please. I accept the gift that you've given me. I don't do anything. John Hagee misses the point. He preaches and teaches this consistently. Consistently. When we're in God's word and we read, it's like read Romans. Read John. Right? Read 1st, 2nd, 3rd John. You'll go, wait a minute. That ain't right. And then you can read those things and go, hey, wait a minute. My, my friend listens to John Hagee. Uh, my family's excited about when he comes on TV or he's on the internet. And I might tell them, hey, you know what? John Hagee teaches this. I don't know if you knew this or not, but the Bible teaches something else. What we bring to the table is nothing. It's, wor- it's worse than nothing, right? It's the negative 10, and God brings the positive 10. Spending time in God's word eliminates spiritual ignorance. Cleanliness is next to godliness. You know what? That's not in the Bible. If we're in the Bible, we're going to know that. God wants a clean. That's why you got to dress up for church. We dress up for church because it's what we do, right? I could come here next week with a tank top and shorts and somebody to have a fit, but God don't care. Cares? Well, is it okay if I wear jeans and whatever? Who cares? Right? If you smell kind of bad, you're gonna sit in the back corner, maybe. Right? I don't know, cause sometimes you stink a little bit. Well, brother Toby, I've been baptized. That's all right. Not really. Right? You're just a clean version of dirty. Right? Just knocked off a sweat a little bit. Here's a good standard for us. Well, at least I'm not Hitler. Well, good for you, right? You could say, at least I'm not Toby. Same thing. Is that your standard, really? At least I am Hitler. John 3.16, we get all excited about this. Here's a King James 1900 version. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him, he should not perish but have everlasting life. We get all fired up about whosoever, right? I know we do. We're in Western Kentucky, and that's the thing here. It says whosoever. We get so fired up about whosoever. But you know what we don't read? Go to John 3, 36. Go look at that. We get so fired up about whosoever, but we're not going to read 3:36. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Whoever does not obey the Son shall not see life, but God's wrath remains on him. If 3.16 is true and we get all fired up about the whosoever, why are we not getting so fired up about the 3.36 that God's wrath remains on somebody? If we believe that, 
are we not going to be in God's word sharing truth with somebody and saying, this is a false teaching? If you believe this teaching, your soul is literally in the balance. If you follow that John Hagee teaching, you will literally, when you die, wake up in hell. You don't bring anything to the table. Nothing. It is by grace alone. You know what? We get so fired up about the whosoever part that we're not going to read on a little bit. You know why we're not sharing our faith? Because we're not reading the Bible. Do you know why we don't disciple new believers? Because we're not reading the Bible. Do you know why we have a weak Western church, Barbara? We don't read the Bible. If we're reading the Bible as a Christian with the Holy Spirit, guess what's going to happen? We're going to change, and we're going to submit ourselves. You know what we're called in the Bible? We're called bondservants. We're called slaves. We're called mikroi, little ones. Doesn't that sound like something like this, right? Doesn't that sound like somebody that needs to be listening to the master, the father, Abba Father, our daddy, holy, righteous God, and not saying, yeah, I know what it says, but I'm not going to do it. Right? I know, I know what it says. Finally, it gives us a mighty weapon. Turn to Acts 2.43. We'll close out real quick with this. Most preachers, they say, we're going to close out real quick with this. What's that mean? It means you got another 15 minutes, right? Well, we're going to close out real quick with this. Y'all be out here at 12.15, Jacob. Everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. So they had devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. And then what happens in the next verse? They were filled with awe. All the people were filled with awe. Many miraculous signs and wonders were done by the apostles. You notice they didn't have all of this prior to the coming of the Holy Spirit. And then the Holy Spirit comes. They want to have the apostles' teaching. They're excited. Read the book of Acts. You know what they're excited to do? They're excited to share their faith. They're excited to get with believers. If somebody needs some help, you know what they do? They help them. Right? They're fired up about it. And you know what we do? We've got to beg people to come to church. Did I hurt your feelings? Is something wrong? Are you okay? What, what happened? We spend more time pandering to that sort of thing than we do sharing the gospel with people who do not understand what the gospel is. I was talking with Dr. Brock yesterday. He goes, you know what? I got more problems in my church from the ones who have been there for a long time than the brand new believers. He said, you know who's sharing their faith in my church? The new believers. You know who's not sharing their faith? The ones who've been there for a long time. We get complacent, right? I don't know any Christians. Really? Open your eyes. Look outside. Go to work. Go to the Walmart. Sit on the bench. If you're born again, you've got the Holy Spirit. You know what we should have? We should have devotion to God's Word. Followed by awe and wonder. Oh my goodness, when's the last time you called somebody or texted somebody and said, man, I was reading this, check this out, right? Oh my goodness, this is nuts, right? Can you believe what this says? Awesome. When's the last time we just couldn't wait to open God's word, pour over it, 
They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. The evidence showed itself. And I think we're seeing evidence of a sick, sick church, Western church, who's not devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching in God's word. Let me encourage you with this today as we close out. If you're here today and you read God's word every day, maybe you've got a little system you're working out, and that's great. Read it in such a way that you go, okay, God, what do you have today that can apply to my life that I can share with somebody, right? What are you showing me that I just don't, I don't know, what was that, right? I need to learn more about that. If you're here today and you're kind of playing footsie with God's word, let me encourage you. It's important. It's huge. Huge. Get a small copy, right? Bring it with you. Bring it with your phone. Bring it, get a habit to where you say, wherever I have this, I'm going to bring a New Testament with me, right? And then read from the paper copy. Because when you're doing this, people think you're on Facebook or Twitter. They're not thinking you're reading the Bible, right? And it's a chance to witness to somebody. They'll say, hey, you're actually reading the Bible. And you, yeah, we'll share with them what the gospel is. Uh, and if you're here today and you don't read the Bible, let me encourage you. Get in God's word. Start in 1st, 2nd, 3rd John. They're easy. Uh, and then get in one of the gospels. Read God's word. Say, you know what? This is huge for me too. Maybe you're here today and you're not reading because you're not born again. You're not a Christian. Why would you read God's word? Right? Well, God's word is truth. It is absolute truth. All truth comes from God's word. And the truth that you need to hear is that you are a sinner. You're broken. You're apart from God. I don't know anybody who would deny that. They would say, yeah, I got sin in my life. I've done this, this, and this. James says if we have sinned in one place, we've busted them all, right? And when we stand before God, we're going to hold an account for our lives. And just like we stand before a judge when we've been speeding, we're guilty, right? If he's a righteous judge, he is going to say you are guilty. And the Bible says the guilty are separated. They are apart from God in a literal place called hell forever. We don't want that for anybody here. We don't want that for our friends and for our family. So I want to encourage you, if this is you, today, repent of your sins, trust Christ as your Savior, confess Him as Lord, and then live for Him every day. Open up the Bible and say, how can I get in here and see what this is all about? God has given me something that I can't do on my own. Father, we love you. We're so thankful for this time of worship. And Father, I pray as we get ready to sing this last song, that you're going to be working on some hearts right now, Lord. That there'll be some people here right now who know that they need to repent of their sin. They need to come and trust you as Lord and Savior. And to be welcome during this song to come and talk to me and say, Toby, I need to do that. I can't go, I can't leave without coming to know Jesus as my Lord and Savior. I pray that these folks would do this. I pray that the other folks who are here who just need encouragement to get in your word, that they might do that. Love on you as as you love us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.